Welcome to the first episode of our podcast, Gamers Who Gossip. My name is Natalie, and this is my beautiful, amazing co-host. Oh my god! Kababe. It's not my name. (laughs) Introduce yourself. My name is Keeks. (laughs) I'm a little nervous. (laughs) My name is Keeks. What do you want me to fucking say? (laughs) Um, five foot five. (laughs) I have brown hair, blue eyes. Yeah, and I'm Natalie. I'm five foot eight. Uh, black hair, not natural. Blue eyes. Um, (laughs) I'm holding a glizzy. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, me and Keeks, we've been gaming together for, like, two years now. Uh, we mm-hmm. met in, a, in an Among Us lobby. <laughs> can, we, can we just start this off with me saying that I'm holding my microphone in my hand, like, a real microphone right now? Like, in real life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like, like, it's, like, not on, like, like my desk. So you're just holding it like <laughs> yeah i took a picture <laughs> keep it in the vod yeah I'll, I'll put it in the youtube video yeah will you include it i sent it to you on snapchat yeah let me let me go look real quick natalie you are in the middle of a toy don't look at your phone okay yeah but anyway did you see it yeah i screenshot of it <laughs> Alright, um, yeah, me and Keeks have been playing games <clears throat> together for, like, two-ish years. Maybe a little more now, not too sure. Mm. Secretly in love with each other. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yep. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I don't know where that came from. I'm so sorry. Um, um, um anyway, uh, yeah, nowadays we just play... <laughs> Anyways, okay. You make me nervous and flustered. Okay. Why? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can get your girl flustered. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, we've been playing games together <laughs> for like two years. Um, mm. Lately, we play like a lot of Valorant. And then Keeks was like, Natalie, we should start a podcast. And I was like, okay. So here we are. Mm. Um, but I just, I just said it and I'm joking. Like, but here we are. True. And then I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And then Keeks was like, I'm down. And I was like, okay, cool. So now we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh, some of the stuff we'll talk about. Today we're doing a little a little true crime story. You know what I'm saying? A little spooky. spooky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> yeah, we'll just talk about a bunch of random stuff. Probably some gaming stuff here and there. Because all we do is play games all day. Um, yeah. That's not true. Uh, my bad. What do we do all day, Keeks? Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, anything you want to add before we get started, Kebab? Uh, disclaimer. All the information that I got from this upcoming story, I got from online, so if anything's wrong, it's not me. (laughs) It's not me. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I can't pronounce... Sorry about that. I can't pronounce. <laughs> pronunciate. Yeah, sorry. I can't pronunciate anything. Uh. So if I say anything wrong, just uh. She's trying her best. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, listen. This was this story was based in like the nineteen like, like I think nineteen fifties was when it started. And there's a lot of weird names. There's a lot of odd. Like Birdella. <laughs> Birdella? That's you kinda... don't come across anyone named Birdella these days, dude. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I was. That's a sick name. Birdella. Mm. Natalie Bordella. Mm. She Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So uh I researched this one. Me. Yes. Yes. Okay. And 
So there isn't really a name for this. Um, it's a serial killer one, right? So when I was doing my research, I looked up a lot of like unknown ones because you know, you know, there's a lot of true crime podcasts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them they do the same one. Like shit, we don't want to know about Slenderman. You know what I'm saying? True. So, <clears throat> so I found one that I don't think you've ever heard of. I've never heard of it. So, this man's name is called Robert Verdella. You're going to hear me refer to him as Bob a lot in this, but it's just because that's what his homies called him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, the you're homies. homies with this man? Oh. Um. Well, he's he's dead, but if oh. we were homies, I'm sure he'd want me to call him Bob. <laughs> so, really, his opinion doesn't... Um, respectfully, his opinion doesn't matter anymore because respectfully. of what he's done. So, yeah. I will call him Bob. Mm. Um. R.I.P. Actually, not R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this man's name is Robert Berdella. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, the story's gonna take place between 1949 and 1992. Okay? So, pretty pretty recently. Not, not that far away. <laughs> <laughs> is not that like you know yeah but in my mind i'm like damn that's far away <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> not really a lot of these things take place in like i don't even know okay 1949 yeah but like 1992 oh yeah okay well actually that's his like that's when he was so he was born in 1949 and he died in 1992 so i shouldn't say it started in 1949 because in 1949 you know he was just coming out of the womb yeah it'd be a little weird if he just started he ain't ain't slashing throats of anybody at 1949 i'd say probably a couple years after that he started really picking up the machete a couple years (laughs) probably in like his fives (laughs) i'm just kidding all right so uh i'm gonna start off saying this story took place in kansas city missouri okay and Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've ever been to missouri pretty uh pretty dreary place you know lots of cornfields oh yeah you've been to missouri i was briefly there yeah Rainy a lot. Lots of rain. Um, anyways, so actually, his murders took place from 1984 to 1987. Okay, so he got he got away for, for like three years there, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He was a little sly little dog. <clears throat> little, little slick little goose. Alright, so I'm not sure if you're aware of the movie called The Collector. Oh, yeah. Yes. So basically, this movie, if anybody hasn't heard, is about a young man who essentially kidnaps a bunch of young women in his basement because he wants the woman to, like, fall in love with him, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> and so he does this with one woman, and she tries to escape, and he kills her, and he wants to keep doing it with a bunch of other women, right? Uh-huh. So Robert... Bradella, our serial killer here, he also has the nickname The Collector or Kansas City Butcher. Ooh. So you're going to see why that comes into play in a little bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Alright, so we're just going to start this off with... Um, um, hang on, I, I'm getting lost in my... unorganized. I'm getting lost. In your eyes. Hey, yo! Sorry, Ben. My bad. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Alright. So, Robert's parents, Alice and... Honestly, God, I forget his dad's last name. I don't think they mentioned it. I'm not sure if it was just not out there. So, his parents were, like, crazy Catholics. Like, you know when I say, like, crazy? Like, they're those people that's, like... Like hardcore, like like strict rules. Yeah. So like his house had like strict rules and like very high expectations. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so his father, which this comes into play a lot, like when we start learning about like what he did. 
So his father would, like, beat him, like, crazy if he didn't, like, listen or, like, do stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, jeez. So that led to Robert being a very well-behaved child because, you know, you don't want to... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, okay. I don't want to, like, say it, but, like, he was a very well-behaved child. So, in school... Robert was a big loner, like, had no friends, got bullied a lot, um, which, according to, there was actually, like, um, like, a psychiatric, like, people who look into that stuff, like, mm-hmm. into murder cases, there was someone on this case, and they said that's why they believed that he actually, like, started, like, doing what he did because of, like, his childhood, and how a lot oh, of childhoods, yeah. like, lead to, like, people, like, acting like this. Yeah, and, like, how a lot of problems like resort from that. Anyways, so um, he began to t- detach himself from the world, and he didn't engage or establish friendships. Uh, he was not good at socializing, so he was basically just there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, when Robert was seven. He had, his parents had given birth to a younger brother named Daniel. Um, He were, they were very con, what do I want to say? They were not the same at all. So they were constantly going at each other, like in competition to try and prove to their dad who was better. Uh, Yeah. Sibling rivalry. mm, But Daniel always won because he was better at everything. And that made his dad, like, always so mad and, like, angry. And it made him, like, I don't know. I guess you could say he just liked, he liked Daniel better. Which, you know, that kind of sucks as a kid knowing that your parent loves someone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have, like, a Mm. favorite. All right. So, because he was kind of sad and didn't know what to do, um, he was kind of detached from everything um, and when he got to his older teenage years, something, you know, never easy, he realized that he was gay. But in this time, you know, not a lot of people accepted that. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. So there he is, not having accepting parents who were also very, like, Catholic. Which I'm not saying all Catholics are like that, but, like, his parents just so happened to be like that. Like, not understanding like that. Yeah. And so he ended up not sharing this and didn't want to tell anyone. Um, yeah, so, hang on, in 1965, a couple years after, so he would only have been a couple years old, he was 16 years old, I think, his father died at 39, and he was very, very upset, yeah, even though him and his dad had a very bad relationship, he was very upset and didn't know what to do. And it didn't help that his mother remarried to a new man only a few months after this had happened. Oh my god. Yeah, L woman's. L woman. L ratio. <laughs> she got too many hoes. <laughs> anyways. anyways. Sorry about that. So he was really angry and upset, right? <clears throat> anyways. So he didn't talk to his new stepfather and he didn't start like he started not associating with his mother at the time so he had no one to turn to so he ended up actually turning to the bible because his father was so like religious he thought that maybe he would help him find his way but it didn't make him feel better so he tried a bunch of like other religions to try and fix like his grief Uh, Uh, but eventually he just started working like a fuck ton am i allowed to swear yeah a fudge ton. You can swear, Keith. Oh, a fuck ton. <laughs> Anyways, he started, so we started working like a fuck ton. So he was a line cook at a local restaurant that they have, um, and he focused on that like a ton. And one day, um, he was in a back room with this male, and you know how he's not openly out as gay. Uh-huh. He was in the bathroom with the male with no cameras or anything, and he was sexually assaulted by this man. Man, Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So he, you know, after all this is happening, he had, like, a lot of guilt and anger, um, which when I read about this, obviously that's, like, he would look into coping methods. Um, but he couldn't report that happening because in the time and, like, 
1965 you like weren't allowed to basically be like sexually assaulted as a man like it was like not a thing so he obviously cut it well yeah because like they're like oh you're a big strong man you're not allowed to have this happen to you oh my god so yeah because he's a man and especially at the time he's gay so if people would have found out that it happened with a man that also wouldn't have looked good you know what i mean yeah so um he started spiraling and found comfort in the movie called The Collector, like I said. Ooh. So when he was younger, he looked at this movie and he found The Collector and he was constantly thinking about it because he wanted that sort of control in his life that that person had over that the people in that movie. Yeah. Um, but eventually he just started like he just stopped thinking about it and went on with his life. So uh, in 1967, Robert graduated and moved. He moved to Kansas City. Uh, he went to an art institute. And he actually wanted to be an art professor because he found, like, a lot of... He really liked art, okay? That was, like, mm-hmm. his coping mechanism is art. So he felt like he found his calling. And um, he got distracted, though, when he was, like, with his freedom because he had so much freedom then with being with not being with his parents so we started like getting into like really heavy drugs like lsd and like meth and stuff like that and so in 1968 for the first time he was arrested for selling drugs to an undercover agent l ratio (laughs) do better bro yeah do better maybe just don't (laughs) sell drugs to an undercover agent or maybe just don't sell drugs in general like (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry about that (laughs) i'm just gonna shut the fuck up but he didn't learn his lesson and then less than a month later he was arrested again for selling these drugs uh the first time though when he did get arrested so the first time he didn't have to stay when he got arrested, but the second time he was arrested, he was in jail for five days and then was released due to no evidence. Don't know how that makes sense. So he kept yeah. his head down when he got out of jail. Um, but he soon got curious on seeing what drugs would do to animals. Oh, and so no. him being a professor and being in this, um, when he went into his classes, he started experimenting on animals and fellow students there were like getting really angry at him they were like what is wrong with this man you know as they should be and so they were upset about it uh actually in one class he decapitated a live duck what the hell and then another one he this is gonna make you mad he injected multiple drugs into a dog and the Uh. dog ended up dying Oh my! Yeah. I fucking hate that shit. Like animals yeah. are so innocent, bro. Like stop. Yeah. So because of this, Robert was kicked out of the art institute. Good. And his shame. He so after this happened, he was really like, "Why did I do this?" He was very like in shame, but his shame soon started to like turn into like anger. And so when he shifted to anger, it was because he had no plan. He didn't have a home at this time. He didn't have a job. He had no control and he just wanted power basically you know what i mean yeah so <clears throat> december 1969 after he got kicked out he moved to a new neighborhood and brought a two-story home with his life savings let's go let's actually go. no let's not go he oh my bad tested on animals but because he wasn't, like, a very social person in school and everything, he kept to himself in this new ha- neighborhood. But eventually, he joined the neighborhood watch party. Kind of fucking ironic. <laughs> he joined the neighborhood watch party, uh, making sure that the neighborhood was safe and stuff like that. And his neighbors actually started to, like, like him. And he started to realize, like, not all people are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he started to work on his career there. And because, I, rem- I don't remember if you said that I told you about him working as, like, a line chef before. Yeah. When he was younger, he was like 16. He started working as a chef and built a really good reputation around the town. Uh, even so that he started going and training students to like cook and stuff like that. But he was always like really upset because his true passion was art. But that's his issue for getting kicked out. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Okay. <clears throat> so in 1970, because he was so into art, he started collecting objects like um, statues and like stuff like that. And so him doing that actually made him a pretty decent income. So in 1981, he quit his job and became um, a self-employed art dealer. Uh, There was actually a flea market that they had around town where he rented a booth and he called it Bob's Bizarre Bazaar. (laughs) (laughs) 
bro, I love flea markets. Which is, which is just real bizarre of him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, so he rented this booth and he started, you know, selling art there. And, you know, at this time, his personal life was pretty shit. I'm not going to lie. He was actually openly gay by his mid-20s. So he wasn't hiding that anymore. But mm-hmm. he was still, I mean, he had no friends. He, I don't know, he didn't have anyone. He still wanted that power, you know what I mean? Yeah. So in 1982, Robert began his first serious relationship um his partner was currently was previously in the war i'm not sure what war it was but he was in war so he had like a lot of trauma and stuff like that so it was really rocky in the relationship and when Mm. it ended up ending and he was like really really angry about this and they think that's what led to like him acting like he did because he just wanted company and he didn't want to be alone and everyone kept leaving him and he just wanted that power and so um he couldn't find anyone and you know if you look up pictures of this man he's not he's not attractive okay <laughs> now that we put the picture of this in the in the vod all right put yeah i got you i got you spotify I mean, he, listeners it'll be on youtube just saying yeah he's not he's not like not attractive but he's not i don't personally find him attractive and a lot of people in that day and age didn't find him attractive either and so instead of trying to find a real relationship as we all do we turn to the city sex workers as we all do <laughs> oh my bad <clears throat> it was my bad but um. he ended up like fucking hating it because i mean he was paying for passion and you know what i mean he had shame and rage because these people i mean these people don't really like him they just want his fucking money yeah and so <clears throat> he ended up turning to young lost men and he took them under his wing essentially to like help them so he'd give them a place to stay for free. Um, and eventually, well, it wasn't technically free. They had to, like, help around the house. And so eventually he started pressuring them into, like, sexual favors. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, because he literally wanted to possess them in a way. He just wanted, like, that power over fucking anything. Mm-hmm. Um so he was using them to feel powerful and they never lasted long like these boys would like come and go like constantly and so eventually robert met a man (laughs) jerry howell okay Mm -hmm. so robert met this man when jerry was around 14 years old um Jerry's father, Paul, had a booth at the same flea market where um, Robert had worked. And so Jerry was, like, really impressed by Robert, like, seeing his art and everything. He was, like, amazed that Jerry was out as... I mean, that um, Robert was out as gay at that time, which Jerry was also gay. And he also made money as a sex worker. So Jerry was a sex worker. Um, Jerry and Robert ended up spending a lot of time together. Like, I mean, like, they were besties, which is kind of weird because Robert was, I mean, pretty old at this point. Uh-huh. So, and Jerry was, like, 19. Well, he wasn't much, like, insanely older, but he was definitely older than Jerry. And so, uh, Jerry's father didn't like this. He was very, very mad because he did not like Robert. Um, so he continued to threaten both of them a lot like tell you to like stop fucking talking but he got ignored by both of them um and at this time because robert had control he was thinking about that movie oh (laughs) not the movie not the movie (laughs) all right and so he was really like getting back into his fantasies that he was having when he was reading that um so he just ended up focusing on their time together and everything like that but he was still mad and eventually jerry ended up getting into some legal help i mean like legal trouble and robert ended up paying for him to like get bailed out but robert always expected like jerry to pay him back but every time that he would go to jerry and be like yo are you gonna pay me back you know jerry would just like dip on him oh and <laughs> And Robert was, like, Robert was, like, pissed because he felt that Jerry thought he had the power in that relationship. You know, this man is literally just all about fucking power. Oh, yeah. And so 
this man was getting like pissed the fuck off that Jerry thought that he could do that to him. And so one night Robert invited Jerry over to his house. Um, Jerry thought nothing of it. I mean, they were like really good friends at this time. Um, Robert at this time was 35, I believe. And yeah, so on July 5th, 1984, he picked up Jerry to hang out and Jerry happily came with him and they both smoked and drank a lot at like Robert's house, you know, the party quib. The <laughs> So Robert <laughs> So Robert liked to like not Robert, I know, and this is why he's a terrible fucking man. That's why we don't say R.I.P. He liked to test stuff on animals. So he had a lot of tranquilizers uh, at his house, right? Yeah. And so he tried to make an advance on Jerry, a sexual advance, and Jerry ended up refusing. Robert got mad at this because he, in his head, thought that Jerry owed him because uh, of what happened with the bail money and so he wouldn't take no for an answer and so he took the tranquilizer and stabbed Jerry with it. Oh my god. And made him like pass out. What yep. the hell? So he didn't want to kill Jerry but he did end up raping him. Aww. Very fucked up. Yeah, fuck this man. So he eventually started like drugging Jerry so much like tranquilizer I mean, you can OD on that shit. Like, that's crazy shit. You know yeah. what I mean? And so he ended up doing it, like, so fucking much. And to make sure that he didn't wake up during the day, the next day, Robert just went to work like nothing had happened because he didn't want anyone to, like, think anything. Yeah. And so he loaded Jerry up with, like, a fuck ton of tranquilizer. So, like, he stayed asleep overnight. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. so all at work, Robert was just sitting there, like, excited as fuck to get home. And uh-huh. so... This is really important. He used he would take his like he wanted to like document his process. So he had a little diary that he wrote notes in on like what he did to these people. Like when I say this man did like crazy shit, he did like crazy shit on these people. Like he would take like needles and poke them underneath their fingernails. Ew. Yeah, he would like beat them to like seconds away from death. Like he had a thing for like fucking pain. Like he just wanted to this man just wanted to see how much pain he could put them in. You know what I mean? Ugh. And so um, he came home from work. He was, like, excited to, be, like, do all this shit to Jerry again. And when he got back, Jerry had overdosed and died. And so Robert didn't know what to do with his body. So he brought it down to the basement, strung him up, put a pot underneath him to catch his blood. And he drained his blood from his body. Oh my god. Let the body hang there overnight to obviously like drain from blood. And then the next morning he returned with the chainsaw, dismembered the body, and then cut them into small parts in a little trash bag and left it outside for the trash people where the trash people took it and no one ever like questioned it. Oh my god. Nobody was like, oh, this shit smells weird or anything and they just took it? I know. Isn't that fucking wild? Yeah. Really like... They cut. He cut up this man's body and like put it outside for the trash people, and they just fucking took it. And like, there goes all your evidence. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, that's fucking wild. Oh and my so, God. Uh, eventually, Paul, his, um, his father, he started to worry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so he got like freaked out uh, because his son was missing. And at this time, Robert was like starting to worry, and he was feeling like fear and shame. But then he looked at the photos and he would literally like get off to them. Ew. <laughs> like he like took pictures of like this man, like yeah. Anyways, fucking weirdo. Ugh. And it made but it made him like sad and angry, but at the same time he had like he wanted to do this again, like multiple fucking times. So um he he really like wanted to do it again. He wanted like another prisoner, but he wanted someone that was like gonna be there longer like he wanted someone like permanently you know what i mean yeah so when um paul obviously noticed that jerry was missing he told him to talk to robert because they were close friends but police weren't convinced that he had done anything and they thought that paul was just i mean that jerry was just like a runaway child mm-hmm. and so um eventually just to get paul off their backs they brought robert in for questioning 
and only asked him like a couple of fucking questions and then just let him go and said that Paul was a missing child and that's it. Oh my god. And then they just put him as a missing person and it went into a cold case. I don't know if you know what a cold case is, but a cold case is basically something that is never finished. Yeah. So, yeah. So, fucking Jerry just, like, died and nobody, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bro, the All cops right. in these <clears throat> stories are always so dumb. That's what I'm saying. So... He wanted another person, obviously, but he wanted to take time in choosing this person because he needed someone that was, like, you know, his type, I guess, or just someone that he could easily lure into his house. So Robert Sheldon, that's the the next victim's name, was about a year later that it took him to figure out this man. Um, He had taken him in because he would show up, like, every once in a while because Robert still had, like, this house that, like... um, Robert still had this, like, house that, like, people would go to and, like, stay at because no one thought anything. So one night, Sheldon was invited over, and Robert offered him, like, a fuck some of drugs and alcohol. And Robert didn't make a move on him on the first night because I think he was just trying to, like, get him, like, welcomed and stuff. But then, yeah. like, on the second night, he made a drink of, like, a fuck ton of, like, heavy drugs and offered it to Sheldon. And he ended up taking it, and he passed out. Uh, so I carried him up to the bedroom. Not going to say what happened, but I'm sure you can assume. And so he wanted to make sure that Sheldon would never run away. And so he was, like, thinking, like, of a bunch of ideas. And he was like, what can I do to make sure he doesn't leave? So his plan was that he was going to blind Sheldon. So he grabbed liquid drain cleaner from his bathroom. And when he ended up walking back into the bedroom sheldon had woken up and so he took the liquid eye cleaner the liquid drain cleaner on like a like a cotton ball and he like shoved it in his eyes he placed the liquid drain cleaner into his eyes and he was in so much pain like apparently this man was like screaming obviously but and like robert was like loving him screaming but he like sedated him because he didn't want his um he didn't want his neighbors to like come over and like question anything about why they were screaming so they had him yeah so he did like poking needles under his fingertips shit like that and then april 15th which was five days after um he came home from work to find this handyman on his roof and sorry (laughs) just something popped up on my steam (laughs) so he came home and found this handyman on his roof and he panicked because you know roof isn't far from his top bedroom And so he had two choices, which was either to get rid of him or I don't remember what the other was, but I'm assuming take him down to the basement or something. Uh And so he tied a plastic bag around Sheldon's head and he suffocated him, ended up obviously killing him. And then he like he did the same thing to Jerry. He took him down to the basement, dismembered him and then cut up his entire body. But... He wanted something to remind him of what had happened, so he kept Sheldon's head and buried it in his backyard. What? (laughs) What the fuck? I was gonna say, this is kind of like the time I buried my hamster in my backyard in a blueberry container, but it's a little different. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) It was dead! Yeah, but how does that- how is that anything like- (laughs) Hmm. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. Anyways, let's get back to the story. So, (laughs) so he wanted another victim. So at this point, he literally had, like, no fucking shame or regret. He was just over it. Like, he was like, I'm a bad person. What the fuck ever. (laughs) So, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm laughing. Sometimes I laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So he had hired this landscaper gardener named mark wallace two months later two months <laughs> sorry i think i was typing this too fast and i spelled it m-o-t-n-h-s <laughs> Mothos. so it was two months after this and his name was mark wallace not mark Wahlberg. oh i love that man <laughs> yeah, me too <laughs> mark wallace and he was hired to do the gardening outside his house. And um, Robert would literally just like to sit there and watch him do this. And it got him off. 
knowing that he was so close to Sheldon's head buried in his backyard. Oh my god. Yeah. So, one evening, Robert awoke his dog's barking, and there was like a big thunderstorm, so he went outside and he checked, and he actually found Mark in his tool shed, and, because he was like hiding, and he invited Mark inside and told him to stay the night, which I think you know where this is going. Yeah. So, Robert and Mark talked all night, they like eased into things, and he found out that Mark had had depression. And so, him taking that to his advantage, he offered Mark, like, a fuck ton of drugs. And eventually, Mark lost consciousness. And by the next night, uh, after all, he literally did, like, the same things that he did. And by the next night, Mark had died from an overdose again. And by all the things that he did to him. And Robert was, like, pissed. Like, he was fucking angry. And so, he because his main goal wasn't to murder them. He wanted to, like, just have control over them, and he kept murdering these people. Yeah. And so he disposed of the body, no one came looking for Mark. Because the way that Robert would do this is that he'd find, like, people who were, like, boy, like, sex workers who, like, had a shitty life, whereas no one would come looking for them. Yeah. And so all the people that he did so far, except for Jerry, like, no one came fucking looking for them because they didn't have anything. Mm. And so, um... Yeah, he disposed of the body. No one came looking for him. So he wanted another victim. He took time finding it. Um, he was working a lot, and he was dealing drugs. Um, him dealing drugs introduced him to, like, more desperate people. And by 1985, end of September, 25-year-old Walter James Ferris, um, he had come into contact with him. And he had vi- invited Robert to have a drink with him at a local gay bar. So, James then asked if he could stay with Robert for a couple nights, and, you know, Robert, being the man he is, he couldn't resist. So we drugged him, and tied him up, and again got carried away, and James died after he got carried away. So, another one that he killed so quickly, and he felt that he needed to prove himself, and so he wanted another victim. Oh my god. Again, right after fucking James, bro, like, at least give this day a man to, like... What? Give this give day a this man! Shut <laughs> the fuck up. Sorry. Anyways, he felt like he needed to prove himself, so he wanted another person, but he, like, waited and, like, waited and waited because, you know, he wanted a good, like, person that was gonna stay there. So, eventually, people started to warn other people about Robert because they were like, this is getting a little sus. They were, they were like... Don't talk to Robert. Don't get into his car. You don't need to know him because a lot of people knew Jerry and they found it odd that he was, like, disappearing. So, eventually, he found a young circ worker, sex worker. So sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Are you good? Oh. Let me take a sip of my drink real quick. My mouth is getting warm. (laughs) Okay. Fruit punch. Nice. Out of a blender. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so eventually found a young sir. Sir? Fuck! <laughs> worker. Sex. Worker. My mom just definitely heard me yell sex. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, a young sex worker who hadn't heard of any of this because he was, like, new to, like, this, like, this community. So, 25-year-old Todd Stoops... Um, he was invited into his house. He didn't think anything of it because he hadn't heard these before. And, um, yeah, it was about, also, it was about, um, I don't know how long it was after this. It was probably, like, um, I'm trying to think of how long he had this person for. Well, he drugged this guy, too. I think he had him... I'm trying to remember. I think he had him for, like, two weeks was how long he had that guy. And then, again, it happened where he tied him up, ended up dying, took him outside, did all that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, literally, he's just, like, fucking doing it, like, one after another at this point, bro. So, a year passes, right? And he Mm -hmm. finds his next victim. Larry Pearson was 20 years old, and, again... Larry needed bailed out of jail. We're going back on this. So Robert accepted. 
and he told Larry that he could stay with him for a little bit, but Robert ended up leaving him alone for a little bit. Like, he didn't try and do anything to him because because Robert bailed Larry out of jail, he had, like, papers that were actually traceable to, like, Robert. Like, if he would have went missing, they would have been like, well, who bailed him out of jail? So we left it alone for a little bit because of it being traceable. And so um, he ended up capturing Larry... Uh, for weeks actually um but he wanted like a captive who wasn't bound and gagged he literally just wanted someone who would just fucking agree so he like told larry he like told him like this is gonna happen or you're gonna die and so uh, obviously larry agreed and he like didn't fight back at all and so he didn't like worry anymore i guess you could say about like trying to find someone because he felt like this was like i don't know this was like his first person who was actually like like listening in a way so one of larry's tasks and i'm sure you'll know where i'm going with this once i say it was to perform oral sex (laughs) so one day (laughs) you know robert was getting into it (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh sorry sorry you know robert was getting into it he was feeling (laughs) And Larry felt that this was his moment to really shine. And so, you know, he <gasps> bit down pretty oh hard. Oh my god. <laughs> and I'm not sure if you're putting two and two together. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so he bit down and Robert, you know, he cried out. And so he ended up beating Larry senseless because he was so fucking pissed and he passed out and he was so annoyed. And he, Larry passed out. He raced, uh, Robert raced to the hospital and the hospital actually told Robert that he needed to stay overnight, but he knew he couldn't because Larry was at back there. So he told them that he needed to go check on his dog. And so Robert went back and he actually killed, wait, he like went back and Larry was like slowly coming awake and stuff like that. And he ended up suffocating Larry like he did the other guy. And then he went back to the hospital like nothing ever happened. And two days later, he returned home. Oh my God. Um, he kind of, like, kept his head down after that because he didn't want, like, anybody to know because it was kind of a sus thing, you know, showing up to the hospital with your dingling bit and all. <laughs> so Robert Sheldon's head, the one that he had, you know, picked up, he had buried in his backyard. He dug that up, and it had been two years since he had buried that. Wild. He Got dug it. that up, right? Uh-huh. And he replaced it with Larry's fucking head. Oh. And he took Sheldon's head and he placed it in a closet that he had as, like, his shrine. He had, like, a shrine closet and he put fucking Sheldon's two-year-old head in the fucking closet, bro. Oh. Yeah, that's a different form of (laughs) hide-and-seek. So, at this point in Robert's life, he had killed six men and in 1988 he grew overconfident and wanted another victim and he went out on the town chris bryson um he took him home and he ended up hitting him over the head with an iron pipe ouch that would hurt yeah and so he ended up capturing chris like he did to all of his other victims and chris this smart little man he asked for robert to feel to tie him in a different position because his arms were hurting Robert did have, like, a weird, like, soft spot for his, like, the people he captured, but it was really fucking weird because of how much pain he put them in. Yeah. So, he said yes, and he moved, like, his hands. So, in this position, it was actually, like, much easier for Chris to, like, slip out of, like, his ropes and stuff. And so, April 2nd, as soon as Robert left for work, uh, Chris had slipped out of his arm like the things around his arms and he couldn't get through like the feet ones but there was a he found a match and he burned through the rope on his feet and he was like free so he went out the window from the second floor and a um what happened a meter man which you check like the meter and stuff like that had heard him like screaming and another distant neighbor also heard him screaming and someone called 911 and so lady, later that morning, when Robert returned home from work, he found the police waiting for him. 
W. W. Finally, they're fucking doing something. Yeah. And he wouldn't let them in, though, like, to check the house. And so they came back with a search warrant, and they found the Polaroids and the diary that he kept with over 200 pictures from the bodies. Oh, my God. Uh, he was sentenced to the death penalty, uh, but he did have his attorney cut a deal for him where for a life in prison, he would confess to all of his crimes and give them like a very in detail, like explanation of what had happened. Ooh. And so but he like loved telling them like he loved telling them what he did. like he was proud of what he did, bro. Ooh. And so because, you know, control was always that man's center of attention. And so he was sentenced to life in jefferson city missouri and but he didn't want people okay this is fucked up he didn't want people to think bad of him and he so in january 1989 he gave an interview to this local tv channel that they had and he tried to tell everyone that his crimes weren't justified and he wasn't understood but like literally no one fucking cared (laughs) yeah like what what about that is justified bro (laughs) That's what I know I killed some people, but, like... But, like, I had a reason. Like, no. Like, Yeah, I'm not sure. What? But, like, no one one cared, and he had no power left. And so, for four years, he was trapped in, um, this place. He was trapped there. And in October 1992, he died of a heart attack at the age of 43. That's all. Damn, that was... And that's the end of my story of Robert Berdella, the fucking Kansas City butcher, bro. Wild motherfucker. Yeah, like, holy shit. He he did do some awful shit, like... Bro, he would, like... Like, when I was reading about this, like, he'd do, like, psycho things. Like, when that guy got found by, like, the one that jumped out of the window, he was, like, covered in bruises, like, from head to toe. Like, this man would just, like, beat them. Jesus, dude. Yeah, I know. Fucking psycho. He doesn't deserve (laughs) to be called Rob. Or was it Bob? Bob? (laughs) Bob. Bob. Bob's Bizarre Bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Bob and his Bob's Bizarre fucking flea market stand. I think think Bob's short for Robert. Bobbert. (laughs) Bobbert. I love a good Bobbert, bro. <laughs> Robert, Bobbert. Same thing, to be honest with you. Bob or Rob. Rob's oh. bizarre, bizarre. Bob's bizarre, bizarre. By the way, we're just joking. We, <laughs> like, we don't... We feel bad for all the families involved in all this, but the mm-hmm. way we deal... We laugh and make jokes, so, like, no, no offense. Fuck this man, though. Yeah, fuck this guy. I mean, but like, I mean, it, it's talked about his family, but also like, fuck his dad. Whoa, like, whoa, don't fuck his dad. <laughs> no, I didn't mean Bob's Bobbert's no. family. I meant like the victims' <laughs> family. Oh, oh, I meant like no oh, disrespect yes. because we're like yes. laughing and making jokes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. No disrespect. <laughs> fuck, fuck his dad and fuck his parents. <laughs> they were terrible people. They beat their kids, and you know what? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, ladies and gentlemen, maybe don't watch the movie The Collector. I've watched that. I've watched both of them. Uh, There's not The Collector, too. Don't worry, I'm not a psychopath. That's what a psychopath would say. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good story, Keeks. So much. Bro, and this is our I'm first episode. Right Keeks is a natural, dude. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just felt like I had a connection with Bobbert. What the hell? And I'm Not the psycho? <laughs> like, like an angry connection to Bobbert. Yeah, fuck like, that I guy. I think that if I didn't even know what Bobbert did, knowing that picture of Bobbert, if I saw Bobbert in public, I'd probably, like, miss that Bobbert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Bobbert. I literally would, like, look over, like, did they have Walmarts in the 90s? <laughs> We hope you enjoyed our very first episode. We did a mm-hmm. little true crime thing because me and Keeks love some some true crime, you know. Yeah, we love to get a little down and dirty, not that way. <laughs> oh, but oh, down and dirty, if you know what I'm saying, gamers who gossip. 
yeah but um not all of our episodes will be true crime we'll definitely do some more we will probably have some episodes talking about like gaming stuff i love gaming stuff i love esports keeks is a gamer bro best sage player in a you know what i'm saying um <laughs> please help me get out of iron <laughs> actually bronze, please let me get bronze. out of bronze. my little bronze gamer bro um, yep about to get iron again though <laughs> Comp's been really rough, just <laughs> Yeah, but it's really... I can't, I can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but, um... I really enjoyed doing this. Did you enjoy it, Keeks? I enjoyed... I enjoyed the story about Bobber. Bobber? But did you enjoy, like, the podcast? Telling the like, story? Did, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, nice. I had a lot of fun. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, we'll just pretty much talk about whatever we want to talk about pretty much. Like gaming, horror, true crime. Mm. I love ghost mm. stories. Depending on what you're listening to this on, um, maybe it's a short TikTok clip or something. This podcast will be on Spotify and YouTube. If you listen to it on... And TikTok. And TikTok, yes. But um, only short clips. We won't be able and to Facebook. post... <laughs> I'm not putting this on Facebook. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Riot Games. Yeah, Riot Games also, yeah. Um, mm. Anyway. <laughs> um, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, we will work on another one soon-ish. Yeah, I gotta tell my story. Yeah, follow us. Um, follow us and Bobber after <laughs> Back away, your mic is peaking. <laughs> oh. Yeah, follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on TikTok. Um, me and Keeks are always play games on my Twitch a lot. Not always, but I try to stream. So if you want to watch, she us needs to game, stream more. I do need I try to, to convince more. her. Yeah, I try to convince her. She's she's a W streamer. Keeks is a W friend, bro. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Catch you in the next one. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, thanks for listening. <laughs> Catch you in the next one. Bye bye. Catch you in the next one. Bye bye. Cue the cue the outro music. One, two, three, let's go.